Thanks, y'all. Thanks for the prayer. And how's, how is everybody today? Boy, I feel like we could just go home. We've had such a full morning, haven't we? Feasting. Um, just love the way the Holy Spirit moves. And um, when I logged on yesterday to our planning center, we, we post our songs. The worship team posts songs so all the team knows what we're doing. And we post scriptures for the media. And when I logged on to put a couple of scriptures on, I saw the song list. And it was, I couldn't, I was so thankful. Of course, it's Father's Day. But um, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to speak on the Father. And so I was really happy that um, obviously it's on the Lord's heart. You know, sometimes we don't plan messages based on a holiday. It just doesn't seem to go, you know. But um, this... (laughs) But this time, I really, to be honest, was doing this for a Father's Day gift for Byron. (laughs) Because he asked me to preach, and sometimes I have so much going on, I just am like, Lord, (laughs) am I going to get ready? But um, I felt like I was supposed to, to preach today, so, and I felt like it really was on the Father's heart. Um, so, just first of all, I want to honor um, all the fathers in the room, because I want to tell you how important you are. Um, you know, fathers give, I don't know if you've ever been through any kind of inner healing ministry. Um, one of the things, let me just close that for right now. One of the things that we always try to deal with with inner healing is our wounds from our father. And um, fathers, you bring identity, protection, security, and provision. And that's very important in a home. And for those of us who had that, it's it's just a gift. It's a real gift. But probably the majority of people didn't have all of those things. And that's really why today I'm going to talk about our Heavenly Father. He really, um, he knew man was going to fall, have failures, there was going to be all kinds of things that would affect humanity. And I lately have loved the scripture for God so loved humanity that he gave his only son so that we would not be lost. And I think there's a lot of ways that we're lost. And one of the ways we're lost is from the brokenness that we suffer in our lives from parents that wound us, not there, whatever the situation is, but God, you know, he always had, he had a solution before there was ever a problem. You know, even before the fall of man, there was a solution before there was ever a problem because the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So that's the thing we always keep in mind with all the issues and problems and things we see in this world, that there's, there's always a solution with the Lord before there was ever a problem. And so I just want to bring that out before I even get started. And, um, you know, one of the things I'd like to just say, I'd like to honor my own dad today. Um, his name was Ralph Medlin Davis. He was 51 years old when I was born. <laughs> And uh, for any of my family that's watching, sometimes they do. But he was a great dad. He, people thought he was my granddad. 
Um, he was retired by the time I was in junior high. I was a cheerleader, got to go to all my games. He got to take me to school, back, and it was really great. And um, he was a great man. I really describe him as a prince of a man because he just had a great heart. For those that Jim knows him, he just was a great man. He's very, he's a straight, straight-laced man. You just didn't mess with him. We didn't even go into restaurants where alcohol was served, if that tells you anything. And we were watching a movie back in the day. Curse words were just beginning to happen in movies. And we would always sit on the edge of our seat in the middle of a movie, just knowing if they said a cuss word, it was going to get turned off. And so it would just be a bummer, you know. But that was the truth. We just couldn't get through movies. That's how my dad was. And um, he, he was really a great dad. But I tell you, the gift I think my dad may have given me the most is he was a worshiper. He just worshiped the Lord. I mean, he just had this thing in him where he just sang to the Lord and worshiped. And I'm really, really grateful for that. So I just wanted to bring that in. But so, um, you know, the thing I think I want to just talk about today is our Heavenly Father and that we have a daddy in heaven. And that I'm just going to tell you that we have an enemy that has always wanted us to talk us out of who he is and who we are. And it's, it's, it's started from the beginning. And I, I just really think we really always need to be aware that this is the enemy's number one tactic to destroy God's honor and to destroy who we are as sons and daughters. And if we're not, this is just really what I want to talk about today. If we're not aware of that, we will constantly be receiving the lies because it's constant, okay? So, but I do want to, you know, I think of how important it was that, you know, the famous scriptures of our Father, that prayer, who art in heaven, our Father, and then when Jesus said, I, when, after he was resurrected, what he said to Peter was, I go to my father and your father. It was like the thing he had reconciled to mankind was our relationship to the father. I'm not in good shape this morning after doing all this study and excuse me. I've just gotten really torn up about the father. <laughs> So, I'm going to move this for a second. <laughs> Thank you. I feel the love. When I was walking in the morning, we, we got here late. We picked up a granddaughter, and um, I could hear the, you know, the sounds of fellowship in this room coming into the church, the sweet, sweet fellowship, the family of the Father. Isn't that good? Just to hear, it was spiritual. It was so sweet, so, so sweet, but, um, okay, so I'm going to try, but isn't that wonderful? He was reconciling to us. Would you put up Ephesians 4, 14 and 15? I just want to start with this verse. It says, for this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you were built together, I bow my knee before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And this is the Amplified. That Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title 
and derives its name. And I just will say this, that fatherhood, he is the father of all nations, every tongue, tribe, every nation, every skin color, every child. He, every father derives his name from the fa- that father of all fathers, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And, and here's the thing is, is we began to really see the father, that really Jesus didn't come just to forgive us of our sin. He really came to reconcile us. This is really, y'all, this is what it was about. We lost something in the garden because we were lied to, but Jesus came to reconcile us back to this relationship of being sons and daughters to our heavenly daddy. It's so key to who we are as humans. And it's really what's wrong with the world. Because the world, we, the, the world can't receive us because they don't have revelation of this. That we're sons and we're daughters and we have a daddy that loves us because the enemy has worked overtime from the beginning selling us a bill of goods that he's not good. You can't trust what he says. And he's a liar. He lies perpetually to us. And if we just are not aware of this, we will just take those thoughts in every day. We'll hear the nibbling. We'll just hear it. And it's so important. You know, for us, um, I will just say this, um, the, the Toronto revival that happened in the 90s, the 90s, that was really the main thing that was being poured out was the Father's heart. We had lost our way completely on that revelation. We had understood the salvation of Jesus. We had understood the baptism of the Holy Spirit that had come back in the Jesus movement, was a charismatic movement, but we had lost our way with the Father. And that's something the Holy Spirit did in that move was to restart, begin. begin. I say began. Can you say began? Because sometimes we get these revelations and we think we have it. But there's more. There's always more. There's always more. God's so deep we can never get to the end of him, especially his heart. So in that revival, God was pouring out through the Holy Spirit this revelation that we're sons and we're daughters and we have a daddy, a father in heaven who loves us. And Jesus came not only to forgive us of our sin, but to reconcile us back. You know, and it was powerful. So many people had encounters with the Lord, me included. I had a hard time believing that the Lord loved me. Hard. It was really difficult. And I just had major, major encounters with the Lord during that time. And I'm really, really grateful for that. So, I think you would all agree that right now, see, when we know our Father... When that comes clear to us that we have a Father in heaven that loves us and that he's good, and we begin to stop believing the lies, something happens where we begin to know who we are. Because we can't really know who we are apart from that. Does that make sense? We can't, there's no way we can really walk in our true identity as sons and daughters without really knowing. And let me tell you, this knowing really does have to come by revelation. 
It's like what John L. said, information. Information is information, but till we come into revelation on this, I will tell you, when I came into revelation on the Father's heart for me and knowing this thing about being reconciled to my dad, it, cha- it just changed everything for me. When we've gone through hard times, when we've gone through suffering, I, when I've gone through sickness, it has held me because I no longer questioned his intention toward me. And I just want to say this. Um, mm, I, I wanna, I'm going to stop there for a minute. Okay, and say this. I want to go to, um, let me make sure. Go to John eight forty four. Says this. I just want to tell you one thing. I'm really wanting to point out is the the warfare we really stay in in this area. It's warfare, and mm, I'm going to just be, uh, just say this that. Genesis 1, 27, you don't have to put it up, says this. And God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so here we are. Our identity is that we are made in our Father's image. We're made in his image. We're his kids. We're his children. And there is a war over that. And if you don't look around at the world we're in now that we never dreamed we would find ourselves in on this attack on that we were made in his image, both male and female, if we don't see that we have demonic spirits that have assignments to constantly attack who we are, we will fall prey to it. And we see believers falling into this. We see believers, strong believers fallen into this when we as believers are to be the compass of reality to the world around us but we cannot be if we are not walking in our own identity as sons and daughters and walk in revelation that we have a father, that we've been created in his image, both male and female. If that is not settled in us. We're the compass of reality. Believers. And we need to stay We need to stay focused. We need to stay vigilant that I am a child of God. I've been made in his image. He's made me the way I am. And he loves who I am. He rejoices over who I am. He has never questioned what he's made. I love this... um, 
I forgot his name. We've been listening to him. He's really, really good. On He's a YouTuber, but he says we're image bearers. Wow. We've been created to be image bearers. Is that just not powerful? So when we're out and about in the world, and we're the... We're, did you know what the spirit of truth is? You know what truth is? Reality. That's what that word means. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of reality. And we're in a world that has lost its compass. It's lost its reality. It's because the enemy is working overtime. He knows who we are. He's always done preemptive strikes. Always. He did it with Moses. He did it with Jesus. He's doing it now with the body of Christ and sons and daughters. He's trying to do the same thing he's always done. Mm. Image bearers. We're the light of the world. Whew. So, John eight forty four. You are of your father. He's talking to the Pharisees at this time. This is Jesus. He's talking to them, refuting their stupidity. <laughs> Although we're, we can be like them at times. <clears throat> you are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. They were wanting to kill him. And does not stand in the truth. Reality. Because there's no reality in him. Truth. Whenever he speaks, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar. And the father of lies. Okay, he, this is one thing. He, he's the master of deception. And one of the, one of the words I found, uh, I don't know if it was this verse, it might have been, it says, to gnaw. Does that not just sound like what he does? Gnaws on us about who we are and what we're not. You're not this. You're not that. You fail at this. You fail at that. You're not pretty. You're ugly. You're not smart. You're not spiritual. You don't have it all together. This is the gnawer. And not, he, doesn't, he doesn't just do it to us. It's like, look at that person. Just constant gnawing going on. And it's lies. It's all lies. Father of lies. And it started, so this is interesting. I know Jim's brought up the book, The Art of War. So is Matthew. I, I just ran across a quote or a little section on it. It was written back in 1927 or something. Is that right, Jim? There's another book. I don't know if that's right. Is that another one? There might be another book. But this is what that book said. It says, the deception always precedes war. In other words, the tactic of an enemy in war is to use deception. And so the war began in the garden over us and over our relationship with the Father. It began there. And um, I want you to put up Genesis 3, 1 through 4. And I just want to, this is important because we need to be, if you don't, aren't aware. See, I hear, I hear stuff all the time. I hear stuff in my own mind. Uh, it's like 
Yesterday afternoon, I, I, you know, you're getting ready to preach. The enemy knows that. So these thoughts start coming. And they were just self-centered, nasty thoughts. And I realized all of a sudden that this, these were not thoughts from the Lord. And you realize the very thing I'm going to preach on. This is just the junk that comes at you. So Genesis 3, 1 through 4, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. You catch that? Indeed. Here's the question, starting to question God. Okay? His motives. And, and why I'm saying this to you is because what keeps us disconnected from the Father and having revelation of the Father is believing that he's good. And believing that, do you know what being good means? Have you ever asked yourself when all this stuff about God is good? I asked them, what does that mean? What does that mean? That God's good. I mean, I, I, can't, I couldn't get my brain around what that... It's vague to me. That feels vague, that God is good. I know it's, he's described like that in Scripture. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness endures forever. It was all through the Scriptures. He, he is... That's who he is. It's his nature to be good. But what does it mean? It means this. And this is what the Satan is questioning in the, in the garden. And I'm going to tell you, this is his ploy that made man fall. It's his ploy that makes us fall. Is this, indeed, as God said, he's questioning, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees in the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat or touch, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, this is a foundation that we go back to to see how the enemy operates, okay, in our lives. He begins to question the goodness of God. Is his intention toward you good? And that's really what the goodness is. This is what God's goodness is. He always has, he has good motivations toward us. He always does. And that's what his goodness is, is we have to get a hold of that in order to really know that we have a heavenly father that loves us and that we're sons and daughters. And that just really helped me. I don't know if it'll help you, but, you know, he begins to question in the word of God. He questions his motive toward them. And she, she takes the bait. She takes the bait. And I think we take the bait. When bad things happen, what do we start doing? What's the first thing we'll start doing? 
God, where are you? If you love me, but you said all of that, all of it. So I just, you know, that's one thing I just want to point out is we really are in a war for this thing and that we cannot be those image bearers if we're falling prey to this stuff ourselves. And, um, you know, of course, she, you know, this is the other thing that he does. He convinces them that they're missing something and, they're, and God's withholding something from them. There, there it is. There's the motive. There's questioning God's motive toward you and me. Oh, he knows you're going to be like God. Well, hey, we were already like God. We're created in his image. We're his sons and his daughters. We've been, we're part of the plan to subdue the earth. Isn't that just, you know, we're already part of the plan, but they, they took the bait. We take the bait. We are made in his image, and we're sons and we're daughters. And we, we just need to stand. You know, like Abraham heard God speak to him a promise, and he just, he just stood on it. And that's all we have to do. We have to stand on the fact that what God says, what he does, is always for our good. It's always for our good. He cannot act different than his nature. He is good all the time. And that's, you know, that's what keeps us really in a good relationship with the Father. So, amen. So, you know, one of the things that happen with a fallen man is we begin to have this darkened conscience. And the good thing is, is that we had a Savior to come to reverse all this. And it's really what I believe personally that the Lord did for us. Um, you know, he came to bring us back into light. Dark, you know what darkness is? is absence of light. It's just there's no light there. And so when we're condemning the world and being down on the world for how they're being and acting right now, we need to remember that they're living in the absence of light. They don't have revelation. The spirit of this age has blinded their eyes. And so our job is to be the image bearers of sons and daughters that know who we are. We know the goodness of God. We know his intentions are only good toward us. And then we get settled in that. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's a process. That does not happen instantly. It is encounter after encounter with the Holy Spirit. It really, really is. You know, and I will say this, that, you know, Jesus, when he came, he came to show us the Father. He, um, he really did come to bring us back into original relationship with the Father. And I think it's interesting that one of the first things that he did was he was baptized in identity. First thing, when he starts his ministry. First thing. He comes as a man. What does he need? He needs to get that right. He needs to get that settled. That he, here is my beloved, a dove comes and lands on his shoulder. 
Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes and says, he speaks, there's an open heaven, and the Father speaks, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And I'm going to say this, if he needed that, if he needed that, who needs it? I need it. I need to hear that. I need encounters with him to hear that myself. And I probably need it over and over and over and over. Over and over. Whew. You know, Ephesians 1, 4 through 6 says this. Mm, I feel this. Just as he chose us in him, listen to this, before the foundation of the world, before that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Listen to this. People fuss over this predestination stuff. This is what he predestined us to. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace. We'll get on that another day. Which he freely bestowed on us and his beloved. That's what he did. This is why Jesus came. God is love. He came to save us. Light of the world. He stepped out of the darkness. He opened my eyes so I could see. This is what he did. He came into this darkness. This darkness that we had lost in the garden. That were sons and daughters made in his image. Now I'm going to tell you. Israel. The nation of Israel. They didn't really ever lose their compass. They didn't. They knew who they were. They had an identity. And they stood in that most of the time. They'd fall away from it too. But it's an, the nation of Israel was always meant to show us that we had a father in heaven and he had children that loved us. This was even through the Old Testament. And I love this, that he predestined us for adoption. Isn't that wonderful? Before it ever even happened, new man's going to fall. He had a solution before there was a problem. Because once man fell, we fell into darkened state of being lost. That's why he came. For God so loved the world. Gave his only begotten son. Whoever would believe would not be lost. It's not just about sin. It's about being lost. Being lost from who we are. We're lost without the Father. We're just lost without knowing that we're his kids. I'm a daughter. That settles something for me. When the rough stuff happens, I feel settled that his intentions toward me are good. Mm. Let's put up John 14, and I just want to um, go through these verses. I love these because Jesus was getting ready to leave. <clears throat> these are some of my whole favorite verses in the Bible because this is how I really came to be settled, that I had a daddy that loved me, 
You know, my daddy was 51. There was not, he was wonderful, but when you're number six, you got a bunch of brothers and sisters raising you. You know, it's just the way it is. So I didn't realize that I had abandonment issues. And the Holy Spirit, during the moves of God, to restore in the heart of the Father to the church. So many of us laid in the floor. And our Heavenly Father, through the Spirit, just began to heal us. It is not His will that anyone would be lost. And that abandonment makes you feel lost. And I just know that the Lord's heart is always... To bring us into the heart of his home, his, his home of his heart, so that we're secure. Fathers bring security. They bring security to us. They bring identity to us. But we're living in a fallen world. We can't expect our natural fathers to have it all together. Some of us don't even have daddies. But you know what the good news is what Marlon was saying this morning? When we come into this heart of the Father ourselves... We carry the heart of the Father. We can be a single mom, a single grandmother that is carrying the heart of the Father. And we can be a father to the fatherless. We can be that. God came to fix the problem before there was ever a problem. He had a solution. We need to know that this world is not a perfect place. He knew it wouldn't be. He knew we would live with the weakness of humanity. And until we see that, then we're not going to be perfect. But we have a heavenly Father who is perfect in all his ways. And Jesus came to restore us to that Father's heart. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let not your hearts be troubled. He's going away. He's been with the disciples three years, and he's going away. It says, let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house, there's room for all of us. There's room for the nations. When you get a hold of this, you will look at the nations different. Because we're always kids. We're all made in his image. We're image bearers. Every nation is unique. Unique and display a part of the Father. It's beautiful. It's the most beautiful gift God has given us is the nations. And they're his inheritance. You'll see racism goes out the door. When you begin to get a relationship with the Father, it just goes out the door. Because you see beauty. You just see beauty. I'm sorry. All the different cultures, all the different skin colors, it's just... 
It's just a beautiful thing. Because in our Father's house are many rooms. He's made a place for us through Jesus. Jesus was, he knew he was going to make that place. I go away and I'm going to make a place for you. He wasn't talking about just heaven. We are so blessed that the Lord is sending the nations to us right now. We just feel, because I feel his heart. The nations and and different races that we're, I feel so privileged. I don't even know what to say because somehow I've caught how the father sees his kids. He just, I just see how he sees us. He loves his kids. And then we see in verse 8 where Philip said to, to Jesus, he said, Father, he said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have you not, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Have I not been with you so long? And so we really can see the Father in Jesus. The full scope of the Father is in Jesus. And I just love it because Philip is very honest. He says, if we can just see him, we're going to be satisfied. There's something in us that cries out that if we can just get a hold of this, we're going to be okay. We're going to be satisfied. There's something in us settled. When we know that he's a good father and that we're his kids and his intentions toward us are good, our natural daddies might not have been good, but he's good. He's good. Mm. And the Holy Spirit is so key because he said this. I'm not, this is in verse 16, 14, 16. I will ask the Father, and he'll give you a helper that he may be with you forever. I, I didn't give you 17, but it says, That is the spirit of truth, reality. We're going to come into this reality. And then it says, John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come through the Holy Spirit. That's the wonderful. People get all bent out of shape over the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out a father. He, he's our lifeline to the father. We're born from above. He's our lifeline to this spirit of adoption that breaks off all this nasty abandonment and toxic emotions that come from that. I'm finishing. So, the church. This is why I'm passionate about the church. We are called to heal the orphans. All effects. We're called to heal 
the orphan spirit. And I wanted you to put this quote up by Henry Noeing. The community of faith fashioned by God within the Holy Spirit is not fashioned simply for the well-being of its members, but for liberation of the world. This is why we're here, to reverse the works of darkness. Reverse the works of lack of revelation that God is love and Jesus came to save us, to bring us back to who we really are, sons and daughters. I have to tell you this, when I first got married, and on a joke or something funny, we just got married. We had just gotten married, and we were driving around a, a car that used a quart of oil a day. It was a mess, and we were just, you know, we both grew up nothing. We were just buying still in school, working full time, and it was, I was living in Charlotte, raised as a country girl. I just hated Charlotte, and I just, oh gosh, the whole thing was rough, and I'm on trying Iron Works down off Tryon. I'm on Tryon Street. I think I was bringing you dinner from Taco Bell, and I have a flat tire. I have a flat tire, and I'm at Taco Bell, and I think, oh, I'm going to call Byron. He's going to come change my flat tire. So I ask him, can I use their phone? No cell phones. We've been married going on 44 years. We already, we were married 44 years in June. That's right. I had a cold over our anniversary, but... Um, <laughs> I call him up at his work and I say, I've got a flat tire. You're going to have to come change it. He says, I'm not coming to change it. I said, What? No, I can't. I'm working. Well, how am I going to, what am I going to do? I don't know. I said, I know. I'm going to call my daddy. My daddy was two hours away, but I knew my daddy was going to come change that tire. Okay, I'll be right there. <laughs> That's the way it is when you know your daddy. You just, you just know he's going to take care. You don't know how. You don't know how he's going to get there. You don't know what he's going to do. But when you have this spirit of adoption working on you, breaking off all that orphan stuff, Amen. a new confidence comes. You have this connection with him, like Henry Noeing said. He's going to take care of you, but he's also wanting to go get his other kids out there. He wants them. And we are his image bearers. Let's go do it. Okay, why don't you stand up? Thank you, Mama Becky. That was powerful. 
Uh, Dean the Stan had an image that he wanted to share of. They'll bring this together. This is so cool because this is what the Lord gave me this week. This thought came to my mind. Everybody loves their babies. They hold them in their arms. They look in their face. They can't help but kiss them. They love their babies. And I thought, why do you love your baby so much? The thought came to me, it's because they crap all the time. And you have to clean up their crap all day long. No, no, that's not it. That's not it. It's because they blow these big snot bubbles that pop on you. No, that's not it. It's because they throw up in your hair and on your face and on your clothes. No, no, that's not it. That can't be it. I know. They cry insensibly. They cry when they're tired. They cry when they're hungry. They cry when they need to be changed. They just cry and whine all the time. That's why you love babies so much. No, that's not it. It's because they keep you up all night long. That's why you love babies. And then it's, no, it's because they're made in your image. It's because when you look in their face, you see you and you see your heavenly father. And it doesn't matter that you have to put up with their crap or their crying. You don't love them one minusculely different you don't, you don't think, oh, my baby only craps six times today instead of 10. I love him more today. <laughs> or tomorrow 15 times and I love him less today. It means nothing to your love for your child. And then the Lord said, that's me with you. It, it doesn't matter that I have to listen to your whining or, or, or clean up your messes. It doesn't make a difference to how much I love you and cannot help but just love you. That's the word picture he gave me. And then Becky preached the message this morning. Why didn't you spread for people over there? Heavenly Father, I thank you for that revelation. But I pray for everyone here this morning that just heard that in their head and not in their heart. Lord, break through the lies of the father of lies that tell us that we're not loved by you incessantly. Oh, Lord, make that a reality in our hearts. Bypass our minds and make it a reality in our hearts. Father, your love for us is even more than our love for our children. Mm. And so we thank you and we praise you. Heavenly Father, happy Father's Day, Papa. Happy Father's Day. Amen. Amen. So we have the ministry team come up. And if you need any further prayer, please avail yourself of their services. But in the meantime, may the Father's face shine upon you and His grace be with you. Amen.